You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe who helps people who feel far from God to know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're also a diverse tribe who welcomes everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every age, race, and walk of life. So whether you're a longtime Christ follower or a spiritual investigator, we hope you're encouraged through our content. Enjoy today's teaching. Hey guys, great, great to meet you. Great to see you guys today. Those of you here in the cameo and online. Now, there's been a little controversy around something known as celebrity prayer candles. Have you seen these celebrity prayer candles? I think I brought a picture of some uh, where we've seen these things. They they're going wild at the outdoor markets, you know, and I've seen them online as well. And people have given me these prayer candles as gifts. Like, uh, I brought a picture of a couple. Someone gave me a Ron Swanson. Uh, someone gave me a Baby Yoda prayer candle. And I think that kind of funny. Now, here's where the controversy comes in as that some people just kind of laugh at them and see it as, you know, tongue in cheek kind of humor, not a big deal, right? But other people see them as kind of sacrilegious or maybe blasphemous or irreverent. And look, I didn't show you that today to offend anyone. The reason I showed you a picture of the religious or the, you know, the slavery prickings is really to spur a question in you. How is it that you get into the presence of God in prayer? What's your plan for getting into the presence with God through prayer? Now, we've had a fair amount of talk on prayer around here recently. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, you know, Lorenzo was here and he gave us a great teaching on the three ifs of prayer. One of the things that he brought up is that even if God doesn't give me what I want and deliver me from the fiery furnace, I will not bow down to the powers of our culture that try to get me to bow down. And then last Sunday, some of you enjoyed Pastor Rich being here in the Kid City Takeover. And what he taught us is we want to pray to God, we have to do so with childlike faith, right? And uh, some of you know why your kids don't want to leave church now in Kid City because of what Pastor Rich is doing up there. Now all the adults want to go up to Kid City. And so adults, you can go up to Kid City and volunteer, right on? Uh, if you'd like to, if you can pass the background check. Now, um, thank the Lord for Pastor Rich and all that God is doing with our children in Kid City. Um, but part of the reason I brought this up today is that I want you to consider that question, what do you do? to get into God's presence in prayer? Do you have to light a candle? Do you have to sit in the lotus position? Do you have to pray the Our Father? Do you have to count some religious beads of some sort? I mean, what is it that you do? And I brought this up because of a problem that I have had in prayer. Can I tell you, sometimes when I pray, I'll sit there and my mind wanders. Like, I'm like trying to focus on prayer. I close my hands, I might get on my knees, I might kneel by the bedside, and I'm like, Prayer, prayer, squirrel, prayer. You know, you ever feel like that? Just, I'm thinking about other things, like some of you do during my sermons. You know, I'm here preaching my guts out, right? I'm teaching, doing the best I know how. And you're sitting there thinking about tacos, you know? Uh, after church, tacos and margaritas. Good boy. Uh, focus, people. Well, that's what I, <laughs> yeah, someone Carnegie Sada. So um, we, we're trying to focus. And in prayer, does your mind ever wonder? And sometimes when I pray, I feel like I might talk out loud because it helps me, because I know God can read my thoughts anyway, but 
When I talk out loud, I sometimes feel like I'm just talking to the air. Does anybody besides, am, am I the most unspiritual one in the church or do you ever struggle with your mind wandering or feeling like no one's there? And so today, I wanna show you a plan because how many of you know that you've heard the old adage, failing to plan is planning to what? Fail, you've heard that. And I think that's true in prayer. So it's helpful to have a plan. Now, as you have a plan, you gotta remember that the plan is not the point. The point is a person, right? So the plan is important as long as it serves us to connect with the person, with God, just like you don't go on date night with your spouse to check off the box that you did date night, but you do it to grow in intimacy with your spouse. And so I'm gonna show you a plan today, um, and it's called the Tabernacle Prayer. And perhaps you got this when you walked in. If you got the Tabernacle Prayer handout, would you show it to me real quick to make sure? And everybody. And if you didn't get it, um, ushers, there might be a few. Usher, if you wouldn't, one of the ushers, might, if you don't mind walking around a little bit in case someone raises their hands and flags you down to get the little handout here of the Tabernacle Prayer. I'll walk you through this. Now, if you're like me, I like to know where things come from. So who came up with, or where'd this tabernacle prayer come from? Well, uh, a lot of us learned about it from a popular pastor named Chris Hodges. Chris Hodges is a pastor of a very large church, Highlands Church in, in uh, Alabama. But where did Chris Hodges get it? Well, Chris Hodges got it from his pastor, a guy named Larry Stockstill, who's actually a retired pastor now. He was pastor of a large church in Louisiana. Where did Larry Stockstill get this? Well, he got it from a pastor that's kind of retired in the ultimate way. He went to be with the Lord in heaven, but his name was Dr. David Yonggi Cho. And you're like, who's Cho? Well, he's pastor of, he founded the largest church in the history of Christianity, the Yodiful Gospel Church in Seoul, Korea. They've had, um, you know, 800,000 to a million people at this church in multiple services and in multiple locations. But the thing that's more impressive to me about Dr. Cho is that he founded something called Prayer Mountain. And I brought a little picture of one of the buildings at Prayer Mountain in Seoul, Korea. If you've heard of any of the prayer houses that started in America, they were actually inspired by this Prayer Mountain. So maybe not all of you have heard of it, but some of you have heard of things like International House of Prayer in Kansas City or one of these 24-7 prayer places. Well, they were all inspired after this place, Prayer Mountain, where people are praying and fasting 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Prayer Mountain started back in 1973. It has a large auditorium there that you can see in the picture. What you can't see is one of the 214 prayer grottos where people go and pray, as well as 12 chapels there. They can accommodate up to 20,000 people praying at one time. And today, there have been 300 prayer mountains that have been started in Seoul, Korea, near the border of North Korea, near what's called the demilitarized zone. And there are a lot of people that would say that the reason that hostile North Korea has not attacked South Korea is because of the presence of these prayer mountains there and prayer. And so if there was a prayer plan that would stop a war and that would build the largest church and prayer movement in the history of Christendom, wouldn't you wanna know about it to perhaps apply it in your career, in your family life, and in your spiritual life? 
to break through into the presence of God. So um, some of you who are new to church, you're what we call our spiritual investigators, and you're like, what's a tabernacle? I mean, it sounds, it's a very religious-sounding word. What even is that? Well, let me show you a picture of the Old Testament tabernacle that I'm gonna be teaching you about today. The Jewish, to understand some context here, the Jewish people, they didn't have a homeland or a place, and after they escaped from Egypt, they were wandering around the desert, and they lived in tents that they would set up, and they didn't have a church building. So much like our church, we didn't used to own a building or whatever, and so we were mobile church. We'd just set up, and we'd been in different locations throughout our history. Um, so uh, they were mobile church, if you will. They didn't have their own church building. And so God had them set up this thing called the tabernacle. Now you can see a tent wall around the outside, and there's the outer court. You go into the inner court there, and then inside that tent building that's in the middle, you could go into the third section, which is called the Holy of Holies. You couldn't, but the high priest could go into that place, the Holy of Holies, the very presence of God. And so can I take you a little deeper into the tabernacle? And I wanna show you four things or four facets of the tabernacle. Number one, it was a historical place in the Old Testament of the Bible that pictures God. Now, we see stuff in the Old Testament through the lens of the New Testament of the Bible. Can I show you a quote that helps explain this? The Old Testament contains the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Does that make sense? So, um, just as the tabernacle has three parts, and what are those three parts? Outer court, say outer court. Holy place, holy of holies. Just as the tabernacle has three parts, so God has three parts. Father, Son, and what? Holy Spirit, right? Huh? So, look at the next characteristic of the tabernacle. It's a picture of what's in heaven right now. If you were to study Revelation chapter four, you would see that there is a temple slash tabernacle that is happening right now in another realm in heaven while we're sitting here. It's a pattern in God's way of doing things both here on earth and in heaven. Look at number three. It's a picture of your heart. The tabernacle is a picture of your heart. Remember, the tabernacle is three parts, outer court, holy place, holy of holies. You are three parts. You are a body, soul, and a spirit. Can I show you through a story how this plays out? One of my mentors, his name was Phil. He taught me a lot about exorcism, deliverance, freedom ministry, we call it. We just got through a big, long series on that. And he was telling me about a time where he was dealing with someone who was literally manifesting a demon. Okay, and look, I know if you're, if you're new to church, uh, put your seatbelt on, weird story on the way, okay? Well, this person was manifesting a demon, and Phil, my friend, was like interrogating the demon because he wanted to get it out of the person, you know, so that the person wouldn't be tortured in this way anymore. And he says, are you in the outer court, meaning the person's body? And the demon said, yes, you know, in this gnarly voice. And then Phil interrogates him further, says, are you in the holy place, meaning in the person's soul? And the demon says, yes, you know. And then Phil says, are you in the holy of holies of this person, meaning the person's spirit? 
And that's where things changed. And the demon said, no, can't go in there because Jesus is in there, see? And, you know, some of you are like, whoa, that's kind of weird, Pastor Doug, okay? (laughs) Tone it back a little bit, but you see what's going on there is that, look, when you choose to believe in Jesus, he comes into the Holy of Holies of your spirit, and then he helps you get the devil out of the rest of your life and helps you get free. We call that spiritual growth, spiritual transformation, um, spiritual formation, and the like. So look at the next characteristic, characteristic of the, the tabernacle. It's a guide for prayer. So uh, that's the way we're gonna be looking at the tabernacle today. It's a pattern, it's a guide to get into God's presence. So why did God have his people set up the tabernacle? Well, we'll see the answer to that question in our scripture reading for today. So if you don't mind, let's stand together for the reading of God's word. And we'll look at Exodus 25, verse eight. And he says, the reason he had him build the tabernacle so I can live among them. Do you know God wants to live among us? He wants to live with you. Some of you who are online, you're like, hey, recently I just, I just met God online and he already wants to move in with me. Yeah, yeah. that's the way it is. Now look at Hebrews 10, 19. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through, what's that next word? The curtain into the most holy place. So check this out. Getting together with God in prayer is like going behind the curtain. Have you ever been somewhere and you wanted to see what's back there behind the curtain? Going to God in prayer through the tabernacle prayer is getting behind the curtain. And so look at our declaration for today. I'm going behind the curtain. Will you say that with me when I point to you? Ready? I'm going behind the curtain. So before you sit down, turn to someone next to you and tell them, I'm going behind the curtain, Jack. Okay, not a whole conversation, you know, just uh, get it right out there, and you guys take a seat. Can I encourage you in something? Man, if, if you're stressed out, go to God behind the curtain and get his opinion on things. Look, if you're struggling in your career, go behind the curtain and get into the presence of God. If you're struggling with your kids, go behind the curtain and ask God for wisdom on what to do about that. You know, some of you are in the process of you're about to make big decisions in your life. Go behind the curtain so that God can communicate with you and show you what to do in that situation. Some of you have been divorced or you've been, you know, you got out of a relationship or something like that and you're like, oh, I'm thinking about dating again before you go out on that date. Get behind the curtain, man. Um, and talk to the Lord before you uh, do that. And prayer, according to Hebrews, is to be like a life-giving experience, not a boring or mind-wandering kind of experience, but it gives this life. And it was this was a big deal to be able to enter into God's presence in the book of Hebrews for the Jewish people, particularly because they were used to a scenario in which only the high priest got to go in there behind the curtain. And some of you know what that's like because you grew up in religious environments where 
you had to take your prayer request to the priest first, and then he could take it to God. But this whole going in there yourself is a new idea for you. That is the beauty of what Jesus has done for us. And here's the challenge that I wanna give you today, is I wanna challenge you to take this tabernacle prayer and pray it in your own private prayer time at least three or four times a week up until Easter. That makes sense? Take this home, learn something on Sunday you can do on Monday, you take this home, you apply it, and you pray it. It's a real simple thing. I'm gonna show you how to do it today. And you pray this prayer to get behind the curtain three or four times a week up until Easter. And as you go into the tabernacle, the first thing that you're gonna see is something called the brazen altar. I brought a picture of that, and the brazen altar would have been kind of like a big barbecue grill, if you will, but don't think delicious Texas barbecue. Think a bloody religious sacrifice, okay? People back then, and I know this is gonna sound so weird to modern people today, but people back then, they would do these sacrificing of animals to pay for sins. Now, thank the Lord that we're not under that old covenant, right? Thank the Lord we're under the new covenant where Jesus was the sacrifice for us. So don't come to church and try and sacrifice animals. We'll call PETA and we'll call the police on you, okay? Just don't do that. Uh, we don't operate that way anymore because Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sin. But the brazen altar represents for us what? The cross, see? The, the New Testament, as the Old Testament revealed it, Jesus was the sacrifice done to pay for our sin if we would receive it. And not only does Jesus' sacrifice pay for our sins so that we're forgiven, but he, through the cross, he gives us a new identity. Have you, wonder, have you ever wondered who you really are? And you have all these voices in the culture telling you who you are, what you should be, how you should live, how you should spend your money, who you should have sex with, all these identity statements out there in the world and the culture. And here's what you do. The devil is trying to bring your identity like an Amazon package on your front porch, but you just tell him, I didn't order it, I'm not signing for that package, Get off my porch, devil, because I'm only receiving the identity that I'm given from Jesus through his word. Anybody on board with that identity, right? So, this has been accomplished through the cross. Can I show you a prayer declaration that we can make together at the brazen altar? Um, God, thank you for the cross. Could we say that out loud together when I point to you? Ready? Here we go. God, thank you for the cross. And if you just said that and meant it, you prayed the first part of the tabernacle prayer. You, in your personal prayer time, you don't have to stop there. You can stop and you can say at the brazen altar as you're praying your private prayer time, God, thank you for the cross. Thank you that you forgave me in this guilt and shame. I don't have to feel it anymore. Thank you, God, that you gave me this new identity to walk in. You show me who you are. You show me the best way to live. You've healed me. You've done all these great things through the cross. And so look at the next part of the tabernacle. You would have walked in and seen something called the laver. Now, the laver, the priests would have gone to it and they would have washed their hands and washed their feet. And they would see in the bottom of it, it was actually mirrored in the bottom, they would see their own reflection there. And as we're going into the presence of God, God shows us who we really are. 
shows us our dysfunction and our sin and our bad motives. And so the laver represents cleansing through confession. Cleansing. How many of you like to cleanse yourself regularly, like regularly take showers? Don't raise your hands, okay? But uh, um, I hope you like to regularly cleanse yourself. I know that a lot of you did. I thank you for that today. I know that some of you, when we're worshiping, someone didn't cleanse themselves this morning and they raised their hands and worship right next to you. And you're like, dude, put those arms down, man. You're blowing me out of the saddle here, okay? Um, so we gotta be careful. I thank the Lord that people cleanse themselves. And look, the same is true. When we go to God in prayer is that we have to cleanse ourselves by confessing our sin. That's what the labor is all about. So would you look at this next prayer declaration that we're gonna put on screen um, and don't say it just yet, but before you say this, can we just stop and be silent for a minute and think about any sin you've committed this past week or ever and any angry or aggressive words you've spoken or bad motives in your heart. If it helps you to close your eyes just for a bit, to think about any sin, hateful words, actions, or attitudes. Chances are they're coming to your mind pretty quickly. And now open your eyes and let's pray this prayer together, ready? God, please forgive me of the sins that come to mind. I choose to repent of sin. I offer you my body and mind. And some of you, as you just prayed that, it's like a weight lifted off of you. It's like guilt and shame just melted away because of the cleansing. You feel a little cleaner than you did before when you, before you came in here today because you, need, you haven't confessed to sin in a long time. And today that's helping you. So as we continue into the tabernacle, the next thing you'd see is the candlestick. Now, the Jewish candlestick has seven candles on it. Why seven candles? Well, the seven candles represent what's called the sevenfold spirit of God, the, the Holy Spirit is what the candlestick represents. If you were to go and study Isaiah chapter 11, you would see seven prayers or characteristics of the Holy Spirit. And so we're gonna pray those seven things together today. We'll put them on screen for you so you can pray them out loud with me. You guys ready to do this? Here we go. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, give me wisdom for decisions. Holy Spirit, give me understanding for my circumstances. Holy Spirit, give me counsel on what to do. Holy Spirit, give me the might to do it. Holy Spirit, give me knowledge how to live. Holy Spirit, I respect and honor you. So as you prayed that just now, Holy Spirit will flood your, your mind and your heart with um, knowledge and wisdom on how to live. And as you pray this each day, you know why some of us don't have the guidance of the Holy Spirit in our lives to make decisions, to operate our businesses and our relationships. The reason we don't have that wisdom is because we don't ask for it. God says you have not because you ask not. And Holy Spirit 
wants to fill you to overflowing, wants to give you wisdom and teach you how to live. And the next thing that you would see as you journey through the tabernacle is you would see the table of showbread, or some people pronounce it showbread. But what happens here is that the priests bring fresh bread. Um, The bread represents the word of God. And when that bread would, would get stale, they would bring fresh, hot bread. What's the word of God? Well, of course, that's Jesus who is revealed as the word of God for you and I. He says, I am the bread of life. But Jesus also taught us that the word of God is the scriptures, the holy inspired word of God. Jesus is the one that told us, men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So that's why just as we have a plan to pray, we also are helped with a plan to read through God's word. I mean, you don't want to just randomly pick a verse. Have you ever done that? You just thumb, thumb through the Bible and pray, uh, play like uh, Bible roulette, and you just put your finger down and start reading. You know, perhaps some of you have heard the old joke about the guy that, you know, just opened his Bible for a word from God, and he put his finger down, and it said, and Judas hanged himself, you know? And then he's like, I don't like that word, so he turned... Uh, a couple of pages, and he puts his finger down and it said, go and do likewise, okay? So um, you you don't wanna do that way, but you gotta have a plan. So this year, I decided to do a plan, and it's called Bible in a Year. So if you have on your phone app, the Bible app on your phone, and you'd like to join me in going through the Bible in a year, the one-year Bible, um, it's a really great plan. and what, what it does is, is it'll create a plan where you read a little bit of the Old Testament, and then you read a little bit of the New Testament, and on that plan, it'll give you a little bit in the middle of the Bible, like the Psalms and Proverbs. So uh, there's an audio version of it. So like what a lot of people do is just press play on the audio, and you listen to it as you're starting your day, or you, as you're ending your day, or over your lunch hour, or whenever you have time. This is a great little plan. Um, So here's the prayer that we pray as we're here at the table of showbread. And and that is, God, please give me a fresh word. Would you say this with me out loud real quick? Here we go. Ready? God, please give me a fresh word. And every day before you get into the scriptures, you just sit down and you just pray, God, please give me a fresh word. I need to hear from you. And some of you have experienced this where you're reading through the scriptures and it's like a verse will just jump off the page. It's like highlighted for you. And you're like, man, I may not be a Bible scholar, but I do know this. That truth right there just helped me. It encouraged me. It convicted me of a sin that I need to confess and get out of my life. It gave me wisdom on how to, you know, deal with this person in a relationship. See, this is the power of the word of God, the bread that we eat. And some of you, it's been a long time. What what would your physical health be like if you only ate food on Sundays? And the same is true of your spiritual life. You can eat the word of God for your spirit and your soul every day if you want to. It's not confined to Sunday during church services. Now look at the next part of the tabernacle. You'd see what's called the altar of incense. So you can see on that altar there's smoke going up because they're burning incense there. 
And some of you have memories of going to Catholic church when you were a kid, and you would go into church and you would smell the incense that the priest was waving around, right? So that's your memory of incense. Others of us, like me, we remember when we were teenagers and we would smoke out, we'd smoke weed in our room and we'd burn incense so our parents didn't know we were smoking weed in our room. Anybody on that one? Okay, don't raise your hand. Um, I already know. And then some of you would smoke weed and you felt guilty, you burned incense, your mom made you go to Catholic church and they were burning incense there and you're like, oh good, nobody can smell me because of the priestly incense that's burning in the Catholic church. Well, think about just for a minute a smell that you love personally. Maybe it's a certain type of cologne. Maybe some of you are like into essential oils, you know, and you've got your diffuser and you put the essential oils in there and you're just like, I just love that smell. It just calms me, calms me. Or others of you, you might like that smell of your bread maker. You're making fresh bread or maybe when your mom or your grandma is making your favorite meal, that smell lures you in. It's like the smell of, you know, those tacos or the smell of those tamales, you know, which I know we've still got some tamales in the freezer, so I know what I'm doing after church today. Um, But look, that smell. And so you have a smell that brings certain emotions to your heart, don't you? Certain memories. Well, you know what the incense represents in the Bible is worship. And look, when you and I, we sing out and we compliment God and we worship God and we praise him for who he is, you know what it does? It brings that fragrant aroma to his heart. See, that's why it's important. So we're gonna do that now. We're gonna, as the altar of incense, we're gonna praise some things about God. Now, what we're gonna put on screen is gonna be some names of God. And I'm gonna say the name of God, and then you're gonna say what the name means out loud, you know, the part that's in parenthesis, okay? Don't say the name, that's my part. You stay in your lane, okay? You say the part that is like what it means. You guys ready for this? Here we go, El Elyon. Yes, God, thank you that you are above every president and king and ruler around the world. You are El Elyon. Jehovah Jireh God you're my provider not any company not any government not my mom and dad but God you provide for everything that we need Jehovah Rapha Yes, God, you're healing my inner wounds. You're healing my physical body. And someday I'll be ultimately healed when I spend eternity with you in heaven. And then Jehovah Shalom. God, you are my peace. No food or drink or substance is my peace. My circumstances are not my peace, but you, God, are my source of peace. I receive it now. See what that's doing in your heart? It's like, it's raising an aroma to God that he just loves when we praise him for who he is. And it does something good in us. When we said those words, peace, somebody was flooded with such peace you almost fell asleep in church, right? 
And if you need to, just take a nap, man. Some of you are overworked. But this leads us to the last part of the tabernacle, which is in the Holy of Holies. And it's the mercy seat. You've perhaps seen this mercy seat on that vintage movie, you know, uh, Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. And it was only the priest, the high priest, that got to go in there into the Holy of Holies where that mercy seat was. It was a big deal to go in there. In fact, they would tie a rope around his leg and if he had sin in his life, he would drop dead and they'd drag him out because you don't, go in, you don't mess around when you go into the direct presence of God. But it's called the mercy seat because it's God giving us, it's, it's like his grace is when we don't get what we deserve, right? But it's mercy when he gives us good things that we we don't deserve, see? And his presence, is, it's, it's his mercy. Can I show you something from the New Testament that sheds light on this? When Jesus was dying on the cross, the Bible teaches us that he spoke out, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And did you know at that very moment, the big heavy curtain in the tabernacle temple tore from top to bottom. You know what that means? Well, I'll tell you here in just a minute, but before I do, I wanted to tell you about a guy that really deeply inspired me. He's a, you know I like football, and he's a guy that is a, is a college football super fan. His name is Tyler Trent, and he has a rare form of cancer that made him terminally ill. And I brought part of Tyler's story by way of video today. Go ahead and take a look. Why does it mean so much to you to be there Saturday? It's just an opportunity for me to get back on the campus and then be with the people I love and the school I love. Oh. You think you've had a rough day. You have obstacles in your life. Think about the strength of this guy. I'm already working up a sweat. He is in hospice at home and wanted so desperately to be able to come here and, and be a part of this night. Yeah, all good. Hurry, get out of the way. You okay? Yeah, I'm, I'm good, totally good, 100% good. Absolutely awesome he's able to be here tonight and feel this support in person. I showed up in a Purdue, Purdue blazer. I wore this all the way to California. When Purdue made it to the bowl game, everyone thought I was crazy. through something like I have and been a part of the program like I have, it's, it becomes your life, so. Thanks for, seriously, thanks for coming up saying hi. I appreciate it, so. Going space, first to speed, a first down for Purdue. He's still going. Touchdown. And that's
needed. That's what we needed right there. And every part of the record, they will all say, Tyler, this one is for you. as he makes his way toward the Purdue locker room. And that was for Purdue to upset Ohio State and for him to be here to see it. Boiler up! Boilermakers rush the field. What a night in West Lafayette. Thank you. I feel like I can do anything with, it. with all the strength you got, boss. I can do anything behind you, boss. You got it. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. A lot of inspiration, man. This young man has been strong. Uh, his family's been strong. For him to even be here is remarkable. The guy never makes excuses. He never complains. He has a huge smile on his face every day. And that's really what being a Boilermaker is all about. We need Tyler Trent to pray for the Dallas Cowboys and the San Antonio Spurs, don't we? <laughs> but you know, this kid had one dream and prayer, and it was fulfilled that day. And one of the things that I love about his story is that Tyler didn't just stay up in the stands of the bleachers of the stadium. That would be like football's outer court. But he got to go down on the field in football world, that's like the holy place. But he didn't just stay on the field. He got to get wheeled into the locker room with the players and the coaches. And in football world, that's like the holy of holies. But you know, Tyler's story didn't end there. He was actually honored at the college football awards show for the way that he inspired so many people in front of all the greatest college football players and coaches in the nation. In football world, that's like the heavenly house. So can I show you just a short clip of that award ceremony where Tyler was honored? Take a look. Please welcome the recipient of the 2018 Disney Spirit Award, someone whose character, energy, and passion serve as an inspiration for us all. Tyler Trent. The luminaries of a sport that you love just stood for nearly a minute. The greatest players of this season, their coaching staffs, their families, their teammates. What did that moment mean to you? My mind, undeserving. Why do you say that over and over? Undeserved. Why? 
because, you know, a year ago, I prayed that I would have the opportunity to share my story. And now it's coming true. So many have been touched by your story since you shared it with us. What's your message to all those who have reached back to you? Hundreds and thousands and now into the millions who have been affected by what you've shared. What's your message to them? At the end of the day, there's, you know, always a light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, as long as you rely on your faith, um, uh, things, will, things will work out. January the 1st of 2019, Tyler Trent's physical body gave out on him, and he broke through the ultimate curtain into the direct presence of God in heaven because he was a follower of Jesus Christ. You know what hit me about that clip there when the interviewer kept asking him, Tyler, all these people stood and honored you. What do you make of this? And he kept saying the word undeserved undeserved. And you know, I resonated with that. And I'll tell you why. Because when I go to God in prayer, it's a mixture of emotions. There are a lot of times where I pray and I feel nothing and I don't sense God there. But there are a lot of times where I get there and I feel like I get behind the curtains. And it's not just one emotions, but it's many all at one time. And the first one is, this is undeserved. Why would someone as great as you accept someone who's done as many dumb things and then committed as many sins as I have? I do not deserve to be here in your presence. But at the same time, it's not just the emotion of undeserved, but it's feeling loved and honored all at the same time. And that is his heart and his character, is that even though his mercy is undeserved, he loves us and he honors us no matter what we've done or how we've struggled. So with that in mind, what do you say we go to the Lord in prayer? And as we go before him now, remember what we learn from the temple curtain being torn. It's that we can go directly into his presence. We don't have to light a candle. We don't have to go to a priest, rabbi, or Jedi. Remember, it's a person, not a plan. We can right now, as we bow our heads in prayer, get behind the curtain directly into his presence. Look, we don't have to be on the bleachers or even on the field. We can go into God's locker room right now. And as we're before him now in prayer, if you've never had a relationship with God, 
Heck, you may not have even believed in God. You sense something right now. And it isn't me or anyone else in this room other than God himself. And it feels a whole lot like love. Like not just words love, but a pure love that doesn't hide truth. And if you'd wanna know him, this is your opportunity. Just talk to him in your own heart. You don't have to fill out a church card or walk down an aisle. Just talk to God in your own heart right now and say something like this. God, I know I've sinned and screwed some stuff up, but right now, the best I can comprehend it, I choose to believe that Jesus was my brazen altar, that Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sin, and he rose again from the dead to give me a whole new identity to walk in. God, welcome to live, not just with me, but to live inside of me. Father, we're so grateful for those that just pass from death to life, that just experienced the greatest miracle of being born again. And as we continue in prayer in the presence of God, I want to ask those of you that know God, that have believed in Jesus, whether you just believed in him moments ago or you've known him for years, how many of you would commit to praying the tabernacle prayer three or four times a week up until Easter. If you'd make that commitment, just look up at me real quick. Anybody? Look up at me real quick. Good. Father, you see every eye that looks up. You see every commitment that we're making in our hearts right now to be a people who get behind the curtain that don't just stay in the stands. And God, will you bless our people? We're frail, God. You know that we struggle to concentrate. You know that our minds wander. And would you help us as we the best we know how tomorrow and the next day and, you know, throughout the coming weeks as we try to pray through the tabernacle, would you help us get behind the curtain knowing that you want to be with us? Thank you for what you're doing in our heart, in our lives, and in our church. We pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen, amen. Well, as we wrap up today, uh, just one reminder, if you're like college-aged or in your 20s, so college-age, if you're graduated from high school, you might be 18 or 19, college-age, um, or anywhere in your 20s, on February the 28th, we're having a gathering so that you can get to know other people your age here at the church. February the 28th, it's going to be at 8.30 p.m. Um, now, I'm going to be here, Johnny D's going to be here. You know, I'm going to have to really work on it to stay up with you guys. I know these, these people stay up late. That's why their thing starts at 8.30. So I'll do my best to stay up, be here with you guys. Um, so let's stand together for the benediction. And if, uh, if you're comfortable to do so, then join hands with the brothers and sisters next to you. If you're not, you know, just like if you don't like people touching you, just say, hey, boundary, love you, but boundary. And uh, that's fine too. But dear brothers and sisters, as you walk from this place, may you walk past the brazen altar of the cross of Jesus Christ. May his cross and blood be applied to your life. You might receive forgiveness, that you might receive a fresh 
word, fresh bread from the word of God, that you might receive cleansing through confession and uh, that you might go through the curtain into his presence that he deeply longs for in your life. Go from here and be blessed in the love and mercy of his presence. You guys have an amazing Sunday. We'll see you next time. Peace. We're glad you were a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check the City Tribe YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, or our website, citytribe.church. May you go from this podcast knowing that you are loved.